Praise the Lord. We want to thank everyone for joining us this evening, either live or listening online. It is our prayer that God will bless you and your listening will not be in vain in Jesus' name. Before we pray, I need to mention that I believe I have a couple of assignments this evening. First is to clear the hair on what Sodom is and then make a correlation between Sodom and our world in times like this. And lastly, come to the application of this. It's my belief that the goal of this session is not that we may lament about our world, or about the end time, or about Sodom itself, but rather to help us develop and be better prepared both to live righteously in this world and anticipate the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this evening, I will invite you to uh, join me in saying the word of prayer unto the Lord, that God would really speak unto our hearts and speak unto our soul, even as we come to his presence this day. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Our Father in heaven, we appreciate this privilege you have given unto us again to come before you. It is our prayer that you will speak unto us. And as you have always done, you would open our eyes to behold deep things in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Sodom. Sodom. I believe this is a delicate word in our climb and a somewhat controversial word in many, many Christian environments. Today, what I believe that many people have done is to narrow Sodom to a single scene which it has come to be known for. And this over the years has limited the understanding of the fullness of what God would have us to glean from the purpose for which he has caused these to be written in the scriptures. Now I would say that if the scenes of Sodom ended with Sodom, we would have said maybe it's not of any use to mention Sodom at all. But no, those scenes still exist even in our world today, and also among even many, many people that are called Christians. So we're going to do a little bit of Bible study here as we look at Sodom, just as the scripture describes it. So if you would turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 13, verse 13, the Bible starts there by saying, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And I want you to note the word exceedingly there. Here you see the inhabitants of Sodom described as wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, you will see that in this description, there is no particular mention of any specific sin yet. Now, if you go to the book of Genesis chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, the Bible there says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous now you would notice the way the bible is describing sodom here and gomorrah initially we see wicked exceedingly sinners and in chapter 18 you're seeing their sin their cry is great and their sin very grievous now if we combine these two passages we have read thus far we can draw some conclusions that sodom was a wicked city. We also see 
that their sins were exceedingly grievous, also called very grievous, and their sins cry unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, what other thing do we know from the scriptures about the people of Sodom? If we turn our Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 3, and we read from verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, For Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is falling, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord, to provoke the eyes of his glory. The shoe of their countenance doth witness against them. Now note this. And they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Here, we see the specific comparison of the sin in Jerusalem and Judah to Sodom. And the characteristics of Sodom's sin, we are here told. Number one, they declare their sin. Another translation puts it as they proclaim their sin. They flaunt it. They hide it not, meaning their sin is open in the view of all. All and sundry. And there is no attempt to hide their sins. So we begin to see the height of wickedness and decadence that was in Sodom. You see people who were not only fully set in sin. They were not only full of sin, but they had boldness and effrontery in sin. They make it an open affair, no hiding. They were very bold in committing sin. To the end that on the eve of their destruction, they were hard bent on sinning because this has become their lifeblood. You see, the way the scripture described it in Genesis chapter 19, verse 4. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 19, verse 4, the Bible says, But before they lay down, talking about the angels and love, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young. Wow. All the people. You see the emphasis of the scriptures? Both old and young, all the people from every quarter. So it was not just sins that were limited to just a few set of people. We see a pervasive sin that you could see in the young, that you could see in the whole, that you could see among all the people, that you could see from every coffin. Do you see that? Both young and old, the Bible says all the people from every coffin. Somebody once said that when you find other corruption among youths, it signals that you are in the last stage in the degeneration of the people. That is, the degree of corruption you see in any group is the extent to which it has reached the young people. So it almost points to a hopeless situation when you see youths embody corruption. When you see youths embody sin. Are you following me now? So when you see the heights of sin or corruption, look at their youths. Are you following me now? So do you know, I was asking myself, was there no one to tell them? Were there no prophets at all in the land? This was a comparison I found in scripture. If you turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 13 to 14. The Bible says, And I have seen fully in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied in Baal and caused my people Israel to err. I have seen also in the prophet of Jerusalem an horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hand of evil doers, that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom, and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Now, time will fail me to talk about what Samaria was doing at that time. 
and what Jerusalem, which was the capital city of the southern kingdom, if you recall that Israel was divided into the northern and the southern part, right? You will see what they were doing at that time. So the prophets in the southern kingdom were committing adultery. They were doing horrible things. They were walking in lies. They were strengthening the hands of the people to do evil. And so this was com compared to what we had in the case of Sodom. So here you see prophets committing adultery. You see pastors and prophets walking in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers. And the sinners continue their wickedness without returning unto the Lord. Is it possible that even those who are sinning in Sodom, and not just only Sodom at the time, but even in our world today, are being strengthened? Does some of these things sound familiar to you? Do we have prophets speaking lies, saying to the wicked, you shall prosper? Prophets saying, you are God's children, whatever you do. And they quote from the Bible saying, you can never fall from grace. They strengthen the hands of sinners to continue in sin. And there are prophets among us who claim that gain is godliness, who say we know that God does not bless sinners. And so if God blesses your, you, it simply means that you are, you, are, you are doing something right. And they strengthen the hearts of the wicked to continue their sins, giving the sons of men no reason to follow God, but rather to remain in sin and all forms of iniquity. So what exactly was the problem with Sodom? Praise the Lord. What exactly was the beginning of Sodom's problem? And how can we compare that to our world and the world in which we live in today? How did they get there? May I start by saying that Sodom did not come to the height of sin from day one. So I am stating emphatically that the sin that Sodom came to be known for was not the beginning of their sin at all. It was the climax of their sin. Sodom, Gomorrah, and their adjoining cities did not spring up as a nation committing sin. They did not become exceeding sinners as the scripture described them in one day. So the sin that we come to know Sodom for was the hallmark of the sins of Sodom. And it does not just describe it. There are depths to it. It was not the sole sin of the land. It was not the only sin that you could find there, as we have seen in scriptures. But it was a pervasive sin. From what we know about the land of Sodom, it was a very rich city. A rich land with great wealth. Being between River Nile and River Jordan. It was a center of commerce. And so they grew in riches and wealth. They grew in pride. They forgot how to trust in God. So when you read the book of Ezekiel, from Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 to 50, the Bible says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride. You see? Pride. Pride of wealth, of resources, pride of provision, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and needy, and they were earthy, and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. So God was saying they were full of pride. Yet yeah, the prophet mentioned the sins of Sodom to be pride, fullness of bread, godlessness, abundance of idleness. Knowing the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ described the times of loss in the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 28 and 29. The Bible says, likewise also, as it was in the days of loss. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day, that Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. 
Here you see Jesus speaking of a preoccupation with the world and the things of the world. That was the state of Sodom at the time. So we see a, a wealthy set of people who were preoccupied in their wealth and have no thought for God or of God. And because there was no immediate judgment, they continued to act stronger and stronger in sin to the end that their sin became exceedingly great. Did you get that? And just as the preacher puts it in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, that because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set, fully set in them to do evil. So you see that their hearts became fully focused on sin until their sin was full. And you know that God's retribution does not fall until the harvest of sin is ripe. A man can continue to sin. But when it is ripe, there is a retribution. If you read your Bible, you realize that God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 verse 16 that the sin of the Amorite is not yet full. So God brings about judgment when sin is full because he is a God of justice. So a man or a people or a nation or a congregation can begin to sin and their acts seem right to them. And they continue in it. And since judgment does not come immediately, they continue further in it. Even if God sends a warning, like in the case of Sodom, they had a battle that Abraham helped them to conquer in Genesis chapter 14. No, no, they will still continue in sin. They don't sense God at all in national or international calamity. They find ways to explain it out, explain it away, and continue their sin as though nothing ever happened. Am I speaking in parables here, please? Praise the Lord. And so, when God even sends a warning in form of some disaster, men find a way to explain it away, and they continue in their way of sin. They do not see God in it at all. So if you want to understand the depth of sin and godlessness that was in Sodom, the nights the angels visited, just look at Genesis chapter 19. And you'll find that even when the men, small and great, were struck with blindness, they were still looking for the door. Chai. That was a death for the love of sin already grown in the land. So the sin of Sodom had gravitated in the midst of an unbounded flush of prosperity, in the midst of an unbounded flush of provisions, of success, when men felt no need for God. As all their needs were supplied. Do you know there are some Christians today whose commitment to God is only there because there is something they want from God? And this is not eternity. There is an expectation for something. And I call it something because it's some things, not God, some miracles. To the end that if there is no need, they don't have a reason to seek God, no reason to follow God. Is it not the reason in most of the Western worlds today, there is no pursuit for God? Because anything you need, you can easily get it. If you have a problem, you can come to somebody. Either you go to the bank, you go to the government, you find a way to solve your problems. Are you with me now? And then the act of men run away from God. Time will fail me. To speak about how this land, I mean Sodom and Gomorrah, progressed from peace, provision, plenty, prosperity, to preoccupation with this, as Jesus Christ told us. 
And pride came in, which ended in their peril. Pride, pride. They grew in riches and in wealth. Pride came. They forgot how to trust in God. And so when you read the book of Ezekiel again that we read, when the Bible says, this was a sin of your sister Sodom. And it says, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. So when you see that, you will realize that at the beginning of Sodom was plenty. They did not wake up to just start committing all manners of sins that we have read in the scriptures, including the one we have come to know the name for. This sin that we have come to know them for has been and is the hallmark of the sin. It's the height of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have said that it's not the only sin. It was only one of the sins and it was the height of it. But the question that we are asking is, how did we get it? And how should we as believers watch out so that we do not fall into the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Or so that we do not actually find ourselves unknowingly? And we can make sense of the environment and the world in which we find ourselves today. And the Bible says, while they had this, this loss, they did not strengthen the hands of the poor. They did not help the needy. They were haughty. They were proud. And they committed abomination before the Lord. See, that was how they started. They were rich. The rich came with riches and wealth, came pride, came fullness of bread, and they forgot the Lord. Now, you would see the, the way Jesus Christ himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, described this land. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, Luke 17, 28, 29, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they both. They sowed, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Many, many years after, Jesus Christ was describing Sodom. And how did he describe the land? He said they were preoccupied with things, with commas. You see what was happening there? Jesus described them. What they were doing at the time. Eating, drinking. Buying, selling, planting, building. But in all these things, there was nothing spiritual. There was nothing about God. No attention to God. They were preoccupied with the world and the things of the world. So you see a wealthy set of people who were preoccupied with worlds and has no thoughts of God. And just because there was no immediate judgment for their preoccupation, they continued to work stronger and stronger in sin. To the end that their sin became exceedingly great. So this was a, a, a city or a country, if you want to call them, who had plenty. And in the midst of their plenty, they forsook God. And they pursued the things of the world. They pursued the things that perish. And because of that, they forgot God. And if you pay attention to the fact, that whenever things like this happen in history, even for the children of Israel, once they forgot God, they go down. And that was why you saw Sodom went down. And that's a call for every believer today. You know, we are not just talking about Sodom because Sodom has passed. And we must be watchful that plenty, provision, peace, prosperity does not take us away from following the Lord. It's us 
the propensity to take us away from God. But we must be watchful. And that's why Paul the Apostle, when he was talking to Timothy, he said, charge. He didn't say just tell them. He said, charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded. That they do not put their trust in uncertain riches. So when riches increase, what did the Bible say if riches increase? He said what? Set not your heart on it. So when riches increase, men have the propensity to set their heart on it and not to set their heart upon God. I know what happens when men take away their heart from God and focus on the things and they become preoccupied with things and not with God. The result of what we see in the world today is what we see. And it can happen at the level of a nation. It can happen at the level of a family. It can happen at the level of an individual. It can happen at the level of the world. Before we wrap up this evening, go to the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And just to describe exactly the same thing, the same cycle that happens as it was written for the Roman Empire. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I read from the King James Version. The Bible says in verse 20, For the invisible thing of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even its eternal power and Godhead, meaning God has been known from the beginning of the world. The ability to perceive God is in every man, so that every man will have no excuse. The Bible says, so that they are without excuse. In verse 21, it says, but that's when they knew God. So every man has the capacity to know God. But that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. You see the problem? Neither were thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish ass was darkened. In verse 22, they professed themselves to be wise. But they became fools. What was the result of that? They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man. And to bird, and to four-footed beast, and creeping things. Those are abominations. Now, that, those are not the only abominations. The Bible says in verse 24, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. The Bible says, for this cause, remember, they had the ability to perceive God. Every man has the ability to perceive God. But no, when they knew that God was there, they did not worship him as God. So what happened there in verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Now, if you, if you understand that verse 26, what the scripture is saying there is that for this reason, God gave them over and abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural use, natural function, for an unnatural and abnormal one. What happened in verse 27? And likewise also their men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burnt in their lust one towards another, men with men, walking that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge. You see the problem? So you see that the sin we have come to know Sodom for was as a result of men not retaining God in their knowledge. Of men not retaining God in their pursuits. Of not glorifying God for who he is. Again, God gave them over to reprobate minds. 
If you read that in the Amplified Bible, the Bible says, and so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, so because they did not acknowledge God or approve of him, how many people in our world don't approve of God, of all the things of God? And because of that, it got to a point. The Bible says, until they were filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisper, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. So you see, what was the beginning of the sin of Sodom? And it's always as such, from peace, provision, plenty, prosperity, to a preoccupation with it. And then pride. And then they forget God. And it leads to peril. As a wrap up this session, it should be noted that we have not come to lament the sin and iniquities of Sodom. Neither have we come to speak of the sins of our world, but rather to prepare ourselves as believers in Christ for the coming of the Lord. The reason we are speaking of this last night of Sodom is simple. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Whom we preach, one in every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. What I've come to say today is that the world around us may wax worse and worse. But you as a believer, and if you're not yet a believer, you want to come to the Lord. You want to follow him. Maybe you have given yourself to pride. And you have not acknowledged God. And you are not constantly acknowledging him in your ways. God is calling you to begin to follow him because one day all will be over. Jesus will come to take his saints home as he has said. And the reason why we have this session is that men may be present perfect in Christ Jesus. There is only security in one place in Jesus, in believing in the Son of God. You know, Apostle Paul warned and was saying to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I read from verse 1, he says, This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, the word again, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. If you see this around, it is a sign of the last days. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You know, it was John Wesley that said it. He said, when it's very close to the destruction of any nation or any kingdom, the people of God will be the laughing stock. Is it not true today that when you say you're a Christian, it seems that you are odd man out? The Bible says, traitors, eddy, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Underline that. The problem of Sodom started when they began to love the world, love their provisions and their pro prosperity more than God. And they worked stronger and stronger in their sin. And they were given up and they continued. It was highway to hell. I pray that will not be a portion in Jesus' name. They may possess a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Paul told Timothy, say, from such turn away. I come to tell you this day, from such turn away. God must be your number one. And there must be nothing in you without God. The pursuit of God would form and inform and guide your life. If you're going to be escaping, and we're going to talk about escape, if you're going to be escaping from this world of destruction, if you're going to be escaping for your life, you must run to Christ. And you must stay in Christ. And you must continue in Christ. 
the world around you may be given to these things that Paul told Timothy, and you must make sure through the help of God and through the grace of God that your eyes is focused on God. We have said that sin does not start at the climax. It starts gradually. It starts when the heart is beginning to draw away from God. I want to call you as we pray this evening to the state of your heart. Where is your heart? Where are you? Where is your love? Is it on God or on things? Or is it on the things that God has provided for you? Men today are already taking the slippery slope of destruction. And God is calling today and say, come out, come back, follow me. Follow me, follow me. We are close to the end of time. We are close to the end of the age. You are seeing the boldness that sin is having in our time. We have read it in the scripture. You want to plead with God this evening and pray for your own life. That God will make you stand. That the grace of God will be abundant in your life. And you will stand. You will stand in all holiness. You will stand in all righteousness. You will stand in all truths. Nothing will take you away from the love of God. Nothing will take you away from the righteousness of faith. Nothing will take you away from this path of holiness. Not the wall. Not the provision in it. Not the things that glitters within it. Can you pray to the Lord that God will help you? It's worth praying. And it's worth assessing yourself where you are, where you are in the faith. That what is preoccupying your heart? Because that may be even the beginning of a downward journey. And then when those provision comes, it takes, it captures the heart. Can you ask the Lord that God, we have mercy upon you. And he will do it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the grace that you have given unto us this evening. Our prayer and our desire is that as you have heard this word, let this word ring again in our hearts. We know that the end is near. From the signs of time, we can see the degradation. We can see that men are getting to the height of sin. We can see that the sin of men are crying out loud, even unto you. And it is just almost time for you to come to take your people home. And for he that will let, will let. Father, we pray, keep us standing. Keep us going for you. It may be difficult, but keep us righteous, pursuing you, seeking after you. The world around us may go back, but God help us to stand in your truth, to be humble, to stand in all holiness, and to do that which is well-pleasing before you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because we know you've answered our prayers. For in Jesus' unchanging name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen, and God bless you.